I'm Alex. And I'm Gabriel. And this is our second ever bonus episode. And this one should sound pretty similar to the last one. We had to cut out a bunch of our interview we had with manta biologist Asia Haynes last week. Uh, we had to do it to save time, but it was really cool stuff. So this little bonus is us taking those bits of cut tape, stitching them back together for you. One of the cuts we had to make was a story about when the group Asia works with, Project Manta, started tracking one of their manta rays going down a major highway. If you haven't heard that episode yet, it might be a good time to listen to it. <laughs> this is a bonus episode of Life on the Brink featuring Asia Haynes and the Reef Manta Ray. Um, should we get into the audience questions, Gabe? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, actually, we should, before we do, um, talk about Project Manta. Oh, yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> and just about the work of Project Manta, because, I mean, that's been your gateway into this. Can you sort of take us to what you started doing in Project Manta and then what that's evolved into now? Yeah, so um, Project Manta started in 2007 at the University of Queensland, uh, it was started by a group of multidisciplinary academics, basically. So they were trying to, you know, look at the ecology of the rays themselves, their biology, look at how oceanographics influenced the manta rays movements, look at um, the plankton behind it. Hey, so we're cutting in. Um, we couldn't keep our mouth shut for more than about 30 seconds there, but <laughs> <laughs> we already found something to talk about. Oceanographics. <laughs> we had to, we actually had to look this one up and it's pretty much just oceanography. <laughs> so it's just the physical characteristics of, of the ocean, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. So like figuring out the sort of geographical conditions of where manta rays live is what she's talking about. Yeah. That makes when she sense. says oceanographics. <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Easy. Let's get back into it. <laughs> And so this group of scientists came together to address all these key questions, which in 2007, nothing was known about manta rays around the Australian coastline. It was only in 2008 that um, a researcher from the Marine Megafauna Foundation discovered that there were two different species of manta rays in the, in the ocean. You know, it was the largest vertebrate discovery in 50 years or something because these are huge animals and there'd been <laughs> one species hiding in plain sight. So uh, Project Manta really started to try and address these key issues around the Australian coastline and I got involved in 2013 to look after this database of sightings on the east coast of Australia. I was quite lucky um, to get an in. Uh, they needed somebody to take over their catalogue of manta rays on the east coast of Australia and at that point, um, as a third-year student, I was just right place, right time, I think, and and they offered me that position. And I'm still doing that now. So I'm still as involved with Project Manta as I, as I was when I first started. Um, it led for me yeah, doing my honours and then my PhD with them. And um, their, con their, their research effort has mainly been on the East Coast, but in about 2015, we did join um, teams with uh, researchers on the West Coast as well to get this national coverage around the country and the West Coast Manta team are still going there. Um, but there's kind of, I guess, less interplay now. We've, we've done a few studies together collectively, but there's, you know, the vastness of Australia in between the two <laughs> sides. So um, we still do collaborate. Um, and yeah, so Project Manta, one of our 
kind of branches of our research has been this focus on citizen science input. So with our photo ID databases on, on each coastline, we really seek input from divers and water users to submit their images to us. So we can only be in so many places at one time. We're not as in the field as we'd all like to be, especially in COVID times. Um, and so water users that are out there photographing the underside of manta rays are the ones that are leading to some of these discoveries, like the biggest movement of the reef manta rays on the East Coast. That was all done by citizen science submissions uh, the pink manta ray, all of these discoveries, the oldest manta ray is all from citizen science contributions. So I'll do my little plug for Project Manta where we want people to submit their photographs of manta ray <laughs> bellies to us. They can find us on Facebook and just upload their photos there and um, we can let them know who the manta rays are that they've spent time with and if it's a new manta ray, they get to name it. So that's quite <laughs> that's fun. That's so cool. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so that's a little plug for Project Manta. <laughs> I think I also saw, I may be misremembering this, but I think I also saw recently on Project Manta's Facebook that a tag went for a drive down the highway a bit. Is, am I remembering that right? Yes, you are. I'm actually in the process of putting together a social media post about this tags journey. Um, so yeah, the, uh, we tagged an animal when we are on Lady Elliot in June. Hey, and we're just cutting it again to say, Gabe, what's Lady Elliot? <laughs> Lady Elliot. It's an island uh, right at the bottom, basically, of the Great Barrier Reef. So in line with Gladstone and well, about 10 hours drive north of Brisbane. Uh, and then, well, 10 hours drive and a two-hour boat ride away from Brisbane. Um, it was called Lady Elliot Island in 1816 when it was quote-unquote discovered by Europeans for the first time by uh, Captain Thomas Stewart and his crew aboard the vessel Lady Elliot, which is why it was named Lady um. Elliot. It's thought that the, the actual Lady Elliot is Anna Maria Elliot, who was the wife of Sir Gilbert Elliot, who was... <laughs> who was a Brit in the House of Commons between 1776 and 1795 and then became Governor General of India between 1807 and 1813. So that would have been soon before this boat came into commission. And so they stumbled across this island that they called Lady Elliot on the way to Sydney in 1816. Uh, and on the return journey, they wrecked the boat uh, on, on a reef uh, in northern Queensland, uh, which is now called Lady Elliot Reef. <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. Drive your boat into a reef and you get to name it. <laughs> uh, and Asia's about to mention a couple of other places. We'll just give you a quick rundown of where they are now. Uh, she mentions Gladstone, which is pretty much the town which Lady Elliot Island is right off the coast from. She also mentions Heron Island, which is an island slightly to the north of Lady Elliot Island, also in the lower Great Barrier Reef area. And she mentions Keppel Bay, which is the coastal area a bit further north of Gladstone. So they're all in that lower Great Barrier Reef area. And we tagged it with um, one of those fancy splash tags, the GPS fast lock tags. And it stayed on the animal for a few weeks. And then when it fell off the animal or popped off the animal or was bitten off the animal, we're not too sure, it floated in the ocean for uh, two and a half months or something, 10 weeks. Damn. And we just kept seeing it floating, 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 getting closer to shore, then floating <laughs> away and floating away. And we had everyone on the lookout from, you know, Marine Rescue and all the different parks, people and stuff, whoever it was in the Gladstone, Gladstone <laughs> Keppel Bay kind of area up there. So when they were going out to Heron Island, different places, they'd be looking for our tag. <laughs> um, and then finally it landed on a beach, but it landed on the beach on a long weekend or something. I hadn't been watching the tags movements for a couple of days. And then when I came back into 
work on the Tuesday, I looked at where the tag was and it was in Rockhampton. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we put a little call out online. Does anyone know who took our tag here? Like we can, we can actually zoom in on your house, but we won't do that. We can see someone has our tag. And, um, and yeah, someone just, it was so fortuitous. The person commented on the Facebook post and said, I've got your tag. Where do you want me to send it? <laughs> and so, yeah, we don't have that many followers, but we have the right one, so it was really good. We got our tag back. Amazing. <laughs> hey, so we're cutting in again here uh, just to clarify where Rockhampton is and how far this thing has travelled. Yeah, so this thing was first tagged around Lady Elliot Island and – they all of a sudden found the tag all the way up in Rockhampton, which is about 250-odd k's away to the north and on land. So, you know, not, yeah. not what you expect to find, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, 250 kilometres, a little over 150 miles. Uh, a long way for a, tra- for a tag to travel all on its own. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, like, like we've said before, this tagging is all part of what Project Manta does. And so we asked Asia how people can get involved and become a part of this really cool work the Project Manta does. Um, To get into the wrap-up then, we always ask what sort of things people can do to get involved. Is Project Manta the way to go? Like what can people actually do to help Project Manta's efforts? Yeah, definitely. So um, as I mentioned before with Project Manta, really submitting those belly photos are the best thing. And I think some people sometimes feel like, they're not doing enough with that or they don't get excited if I tell them it's a reciting of an animal we've seen because, mm-hmm. before because they think that information's already known. But it's not because it's it's all these recitings that give us the demography of the population, that give us these movements and, and give us, you know, the ages, gives us injury rates, pregnancy rates, all of these things. So really submitting those photos is priceless to us. It, 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 they come from all around the country and fill in all these knowledge gaps that, that we have and, and that's just the best way that people can get involved. Awesome. This Life on the Brink bonus episode was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Yagara and Garingai people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty over these lands has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Well, there you go. That's it. That's the episode. If you're pining for more, you can check out the full episode from last week or any of the nine episodes released before that. Another big thank you to Asia Haynes. You can keep up with Project Manta and what they're up to via Facebook and projectmanta.org. Follow, rate and review Life on the Brink wherever you're listening to this and catch up on all the episodes released so far through your podcast app of choice or at lifeonthebrinkpodcast.com. Thanks to Angus Bazina for running that website and to Kyle Moy for our theme music. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We're back next week with another full episode and we're staying down in the big blue ocean with a second Elasmobrank episode featuring the great hammerhead shark Stay tuned for a little teaser of what that's going to be like in a few seconds time. TTFN. <laughs> Ta-ta for now. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like when you're called to something or when you have a passion about something, it just ends up working out. My friend actually sent me a message randomly one day um, of an, a job advertisement on Craigslist.
she was like, oh, there's this really cool like marine camp counselor job. You should, you know, you like marine science. I'm like, cool. So I applied for it. I got it. And the owner of the company actually knew Hannah Med, who is, um, she's the head of the American Shark Conservancy organization. She's really awesome. And she knew her and Hannah was looking for volunteers. So uh, me and my friend Gretchen, we went, met her at a Panera and we were so nervous. We were like fangirling, like Hannah, she's so cool. Like she does amazing research. And so we met her at a Panera and we talked and then she, we started volunteering for her. And now I lead a project with her. And it's just like from a Craigslist ad, I kind of got jumped into all this like hammerhead stuff. And it's really cool. It was awesome. 